and welcome to another episode of Climbing on the Bookshelf. I hope you're all well and looking forward to better and drier weather now that we're midway into spring and we've had a few days where it was looking like the weather was finally changing for the better and heading towards that elusive summer. You may have even ventured outside of your comfort zone in the gym or comfy sofa and got outdoors where the real world is, maybe even climbed, hiked or even met with friends for that wild swim. Here's to good times in the great outdoors and listening to your favourite climbing literature podcast. This time, as you've probably seen from the episode's title, is with a great lover of the outdoors and sports literature. Katie Quinn, as you may know her on socials, is the sports librarian. She has a real passion for sports literature, focusing her love of mountain literature on Mondays. Before now, I didn't know of her, and we only followed each other on Instagram and Twitter, not that anyone uses Twitter anymore. She got in touch a while back and thought we could possibly have a chat as our book interest crossed over. But, me being me, missed that message and continued on with my life. It wasn't until I was going through my messages for more guests to chat with that I saw that she reached out. You can hear my apology in the episode. Before now, I only had one other guest that hadn't written a book, but because I knew Katie was really keen on mountain literature, I reached out to her, and I really enjoyed talking with her. It was great to hear someone else's thoughts and insights. I really hope you enjoy this episode and get some great recommendations for mountain literature, films and other climbing podcasts. I think there may be another podcast forming in my head, something like a mountain literature book group. Get in touch and let me know what you think. You can get in touch with Katie on Instagram at the sports librarian or take a look at her website katiequinn88.com. I've put all this in the show notes as normal. Thanks for listening. Hello, that sounds like you've connected to me. Hi, Stuart, I have. Uh, hello, how are you? I'm doing well, how are you doing? Very well, thank you. How was your apple? <laughs> it was good, I got to work a little later than I was anticipating. How are you, sure. it's 8 o'clock there? Uh, yes, it is, yeah. It's It's been a bit of a funny day, actually. We've had all sorts of weather today, we've had rain and sun, and around sort of, I don't know, 10 degrees or so, It's okay. it, it needs to warm up a lot more quite quickly, I think. I'm fed up of it being cold now, so... <laughs> Uh, yeah i agree i just looked at my weather app and the next 10 days are still rain and clouds and there's even some lightning bolts oh that's not great is it really if you, need to, if, if you want so, to be out and no. about and and exactly it puts and, a bit yeah, of a down trails it, doesn't are it? muddy parks yeah. are wet yeah exactly so so how's your week been how's how's things my week has been good aside from the weather being a little <laughs> dreary um it's been pretty nice. Actually, the sun came out le- yesterday, and my daughter and I washed our cars. Okay. So we did. It was still chilly, but the sun was out, so we got outside and did that, which was fun. Yeah, um, you know, I teach marketing research on Tuesdays and Thursdays, so those are my right. busier days. Then, um, yeah, my daughter's getting into swim lessons and some gymnastics, so just kind of trying to figure out what she loves. and Yeah, sure. And she loved getting out of the house too. Like today okay. I was headed to work and she was asking, you know, can we go to the park, can we go to <laughs> the play studio, wherever she, you know, so she she wants to get outside as well. Oh, that's nice. So thank you very much for coming on, climbing on the bookshelf um, and coming on the show. Um, I'd like to apologize for not replying to you uh, quite a while back. I think it was, you might've even messaged me when you first sort of followed me on Twitter just saying that our kind of interests kind of met up at some point um, with the mountain literature and all that sort of stuff. But I've only just realized that I didn't reply to you. I just kind of ignored you and I didn't realize that I'd done that. So it's some vague recollection of you sending me a message about it, but it wasn't until recently that I actually thought, actually, yes, that's, that's a great idea to get in touch with you. So I'm sorry for that. That's funny that you remember that and you feel badly. Um, mm. You know, I saw you, I've been following you on Instagram for a while and I don't have as much of a presence on Twitter, but I was over there. No, and, me neither. <laughs> and I was over there and I saw you and I saw a, a recent podcast you had posted. Yeah. And I was not, I was serious, but also not expecting you to get back, right? I'm like, <laughs> oh, he's out there interviewing authors and all that kind of stuff. But <laughs> let me just say hi, because I think, Part of the fun of the internet is finding people who of have shared interests as you. And yes. so this is just a joy to 
you know, get to chat. So don't feel bad about not yeah, responding sure, on yeah. Twitter. I might not even have seen it myself. If you want to no, I, I very, very rarely actually scroll on it or look at it. I only kind of post my recent um, mm-hmm. episode on there, really. I don't really use it. It's mainly Instagram that I use now. It's <laughs> just what everybody Same. uses, isn't it, really? That's the kind yeah. of most common thing. So, yeah. Um, so but thank you for having me on. I mean, this is well, fun to chat with somebody who has a shared interest about yeah. something that not, I don't have any other friends here who love to read like the specific genre and that kind of okay. thing. So this is fun. Okay. Oh, great. Yeah. Thank you. Um, there's another um, interview that I did, another episode with Tarquin Cooper. Um, mm-hmm. He hosts the, um, I don't know whether you've listened to it or not, but. He, I did. He's a, like a journalist, right? He is a journalist and he commentates on the Red Bull X Alps and the UIAA ice climbing World Cup and all that sort of stuff. But he hasn't written anything. He just got a really keen interest in mountain literature and it was really great to talk to him as well. So that was, mm-hmm. so I guess you're my second person that is not associated with books, but kind of is. Yeah. How have you found the experience to be with starting a podcast or getting guests? Have you really enjoyed it or is it like, is it a fun hobby or is it kind of difficult? Um, it's a bit of all three of those, actually. What I really found is that particularly in the kind of mountain literature and the kind of climbing world, that everybody's really, really accessible and really open to being contacted. Mm-hmm. I just listened and that to was incredible with Scott Ellsworth, so oh, a pretty big author. Yeah. That was incredible. Yeah, I was I was so pleased with that as well. That was that was amazing. And again, it was just just uh, it's just so easy to get in touch with people. Some, you know, some don't don't get in touch and some most do and say, can you just leave it for six months or whatever? Or mm-hmm. yeah, um, circle but, back. But um, I'm yet to really get an absolute sort of, you know, a big celebrity like Alex Honnold or someone. That would be, I think yeah. I'd, I'd, I'm not really show, sure what that I'd do with so that. Cool. That would be yeah. absolutely incredible. Maybe we could start by you telling me what you do for work, how you got to where you are now in your job. Yeah, that sounds great. So I work for Seattle University. I'm an assistant professor in marketing. And how I got here, I guess, I've just really always wanted to be a professor, even since I was in high school, which I don't think is a lifelong goal that many students or teenagers have. But, you know, my dad was a professor and I loved the life that it allowed us to have as a family with spring breaks and summers were relatively more relaxing. And so I just kind of always saw that as kind of the life that I wanted to be able to provide for my family. and. You know, as luck would have it, I'm now married to a professor as well. So in academia life, uh, and that's been um, pretty fun. And I think I emailed you this uh, fun fact about Seattle University that I just found upon working here is that um, Jim Whitaker is actually a Seattle University. Yeah. Yes, I did read that. I did I did um, read your email. He's the, the first American guy that summited Everest, wasn't he? Yes. Yeah, I know. So there's, you know, a few famous basketball players and stuff, but I think Jim Whitaker might be one of the more, you know, notable Americans who's a, yeah. an SU alumni. So that's actually pretty, pretty fun. And I knew he was from Seattle and I just love being in Seattle in general, kind of with Mount Rainier as the backdrop to life and everything. So yeah, it's, yeah. it's fun. Yeah. Can you see it from your house or not? Or is it, is it too far away? Because I know it's not literally from my house, but yeah. from the closest intersection, you can see Mount Rainier. Oh, and wow. my husband and I lived in up in Seattle for about eight years, and we just recently moved a little bit south of Seattle, so we're actually close. So one of the you know we wanted more space for a growing family, but then also one of the things that I'm pretty stoked about is that we're an hour closer to Mount Rainier and the ski okay. resort and all that kind of stuff and the national park and things yeah sure yes last year right right after we moved my birthday was coming up and my request was to go to mount rainier national park for the weekend so that was kind of a fun trip my husband together yeah yeah just a wonderful wonderful september weekend yeah sure have you been to any of the other places like that in close to seattle there's another one called olympic i believe which is a bit further west yes that one is on the olympic peninsula and Olympic National Park is one of the craziest parks out there because okay. it has so many different 
uh, climate, right? It's got a beach that's part of it. It's got an actual rainforest. It has mountains. So depending on where you are in the park, yeah. you could just feel like you're in a different world. Yeah, and so sure. I've been to one aspect of the Olympic Park, like the far west side, but I actually haven't been to other parts of it. And it's pretty large. So definitely a lot of unexplored area there. And then the North Cascades are also a little bit north of Seattle. And those ones are, those are very similar to the Alps. And so the the craggy peaks and the tall um, glaciers and those kind of hikes with like the Alpine lakes and kind of things. So that's a really pretty park as well. Um, So what generally is the, is the weather like there? And obviously I think you get a bit of snow, do you? Or you get a lot of snow maybe. I don't really know. Is it, is it on the, is it further north than the UK? We're about the same latitude. Yeah. Um, Seattle proper doesn't get a lot of snow because it is on the sound. Okay, it's quite close to the coast. Yeah, sure. Yeah, but it's kind of buffered by the mountains. So the Cascade Mountains are there. And so, you know, if you drive 30 minutes outside of Seattle, there can be a lot of snow. Uh, And then even just where we moved about 30 minutes, 40 minutes south of Seattle, there can be, we already had more snow this last year than we got you know for eight years in seattle but yeah i mean it is seattle has the reputation for a lot of rain and it doesn't rain as much as it's just kind of overcast a lot of the year you know so i'm really coming up on needing some sunshine this spring yeah yeah you set <laughs> up with the cold there, else, yes. <laughs> yeah there's nowhere else that has like a better you know summer and fall in my opinion just because yeah. the the climate is really nice for about six months of the year. And then the other six months, it's pretty, pretty gray. It yeah, doesn't okay. get, it doesn't get super cold. So you can be outside a lot, but yeah, pros and cons. Okay. Talking about being outside, when was your sort of, what was your sort of upbringing like and your outdoor life and how did you sort of get into sort of hiking and, and being in the outdoors? Was it with your parents took you out or? Yeah, so I live in Seattle now, but we grew up on the east side of the state, um, closer okay. to Idaho. And my dad was a mountaineer and a ski backcountry skier and a climber. And so, you know, once he started having kids, he kind of brought us up into that. And so I grew up rock climbing and hiking with my dad. Okay. And, uh, you know, every summer we'd go camping. And, you know, sometimes I would tag along to his climbing trips to central Oregon. And looking back, that actually has to be pretty fun for him to still be able to kind of go on these excursions with his buddies, but bring along his daughter who kind of <laughs> yeah, you know sure. wants to get into those things. So, um, you know, now as a parent, I'm like, oh, I would love if I could still continue to do things that I love and also bring my kids along. So that's kind of fun. Yeah, I would say most formatively, though, in terms of kind of the actual mountains themselves and like my love for it, uh, we've we lived in Switzerland for probably, you know, a semester. So yeah, five, okay. six months, something like that. Sure. And, you know, I was in fourth grade, which is, I think it's just a time you're trying to learn about everything in the world and you find what makes you happy. And I've oddly never been really interested in mountaineering as kind of like a personal endeavor, but the mountains still is like where I am happiest. Right. So I love, you know, hiking and being adjacent and doing things like a via ferrata, which is kind of like rock climbing where you're wearing a harness and attached. You ever done a via ferrata? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. They're good. It's a good in between from scrambling and actual climbing, isn't it really? Yes. Yeah. And you still wouldn't like it if you were afraid of heights, but no, Yeah, I like those because it allows you to do a little little bit of stuff that you wouldn't be able to do without that protection, but yeah, it's yeah. still kind of safe. Yeah, so I guess to answer kind of your broad question, my dad was the you know source of inspiration and the instigator for getting us outside and getting me to join him on rock climbing adventures and taking us hiking and camping and that kind of stuff. So did that sort of spur you on to do other sports? in school and college and and because i noticed on your on your bio um it said d1 do you know i i don't actually know what that means but i know it means something (laughs) (laughs) 
Yeah, there's different levels of competition in college. And so Division One or D1 is okay. kind of the, the highest level of competition. So all of the schools that you've heard of, uh, you know, that play football like Alabama and... Um, is that football know. as in soccer or football as in American football? Oh, no, that's that's football as in football. Um, but soccer and basketball okay. and all sporting, sure. um, all sports in college kind of follow that same breakdown of division one division two division three so okay yeah so division one is kind of the highest level of competition for collegiate athletics so if you've heard of the ncaa you know that's kind of they oversee the breakdown of that intercollegiate athletics and yeah i've just really always had a love for sports so at the same time that i was rock climbing and hiking with my dad my mom was coaching my basketball team and taking us golfing and so i've really been involved in kind of every sport imaginable along so the a way. good broad and thing yeah yeah definitely jack of all trades when it comes to <laughs> athletics and okay yeah and you know i'm a little bit smaller in stature and so soccer really ended up being the place where i excelled you know i can't really dominate on the basketball court didn't have any problem you know slide tackling and running for yeah. long periods of time and so yeah i just really loved competing in soccer and yeah i ended up getting the opportunity to play at gonzaga university which is in spokane so that's okay. just a little bit um north of where i grew up so again along the eastern side of washington okay have you always been in in washington when you grew i up? briefly lived in wisconsin for a few years right after graduating from gonzaga so i went from pullman washington up to Spokane, Washington, then flew and lived in Wisconsin for a few years where I worked. But I always knew that I wanted to go back to school and get my graduate degree. And okay. so when I was looking for places to apply to um, get a PhD, I applied to just a few and I got into UW, University of Washington, and then moved back in 2014. I sort of found you on Instagram with your uh name the sports librarian so how did you come up with that name and how did you get into reading about sports literature it's quite a big field of of literature yes it's a very large field and i wouldn't say that the act of reading sports literature is new you know it's obviously been kind of what i've been interested in most of my life yeah. and then the instagram itself kind of arose almost out of kind of a mm-hmm procrastination as I was nearing the end of my PhD program and I just had my dissertation and the pandemic was happening and I was just kind of looking for some ways to engage with other people and a distraction from you know the the grind of finishing your dissertation it actually started as an account for sports related children's books because I was you know I just had my daughter and I was looking for books to read her that could get her excited about sports. And honestly, that only lasted about two weeks. Because I soon <laughs> realized that it's a much better community for adults that I want to be able to talk to about the books that I read. And yeah. so, yeah, I just love having conversations with other authors and people who read books uh, that are related to things that I like. And yeah. the name itself, I did a lot of brainstorming, but you know, different things like books about sports and sports books and everything yeah. but if you're aware of any sort of gambling if you google sports books you're just going to be overrun with um odds and gambling and betting right because that's yeah. what a, you know casinos have sports books and so it really was almost just kind of like an seo type thing um okay. where i just didn't want to get swallowed or lumped into sports gambling which was not my goal and it kind of i always have when i was younger i really wanted to be a librarian that was my dream job okay and so it kind of just okay. came together oh a library oh i like sports that's probably unique enough and it kind of conveys books and sports and so that's kind of how the name came to be yeah well i love you know i breed pretty broadly with sports and athletes and all that kind of stuff but I found myself like really, I, I do love mountain literature. And so I've tried to instigate, you know, Mountain Monday, if you've ever been kind of following and you see yeah, a post with yeah. 
that I tried to dedicate Mondays to different mountain climbing books, whether that's rock climbing or maybe even if it's just nature or some sort of mountain collection that I've come across or read or even kind of pulling something from the archives. But I do find that that's probably more heavily what I'm interested in. 70% is spread out amongst other sports. We'll now take a quick break and get back to the show after this ad. Are you tired of drinking your morning coffee out of boring plain mugs? Look no further than Climbing on the Bookshelf Climbing Mugs. The mugs are designed with the avid climber in mind. With the show's unique design, you can show off your love for climbing literature and the podcast at the same time. Whether you're sitting down and listening to Climbing on the Bookshelf, a pro climber or just starting out, the mugs are a perfect addition to your collection of climbing gear. Are you looking for more ways to show your love of climbing for your favourite climbing literature podcast? Look no further than our exclusive Climbing on the Bookshelf premium t-shirts and tote bag. Not only do our premium t-shirts look great with the show's logo, they're also incredibly comfortable to wear. Made with soft materials, our t-shirts are perfect for any climbing activity. Whether you're hiking to the crag or just lounging around waiting for your turn at the climbing gym to send your next proj. With different colours and sizes available, you'll look great, even when you're sitting down. Or, how about a Climbing on the Bookshelf tote bag? The tote bag is a perfect accessory for carrying some of your climbing gear. You can even use it for non-climbing related shopping outings too. But why would you do that? You could put your groceries in it, put a picnic in it. Maybe even that new mountain literature book or guide that you've been hankering after in your local bookshop. So, if you're a fan of climbing literature and love listening to Climbing on the Bookshelf, don't wait any longer to get your hands on our exclusive Climbing on the Bookshelf mugs, t-shirts and tote bag. Order now and show the world your love for climbing and your favourite climbing literature podcast. See the link in the show notes or head over to Instagram at Climb Bookshelf where there's a link in the bio. Happy reading and now back to the show. So when did you start reading mountain literature or magazines? The first mountain climbing book I can remember reading and my favourite to this day Mm -hmm. is Banner in the Sky. It's about a boy trying to climb the last unsummited mountain in the Alps after his father had died on a previous attempt. And it's fictional, but it's set in the heart of the Alps and the mountain in the book, which in the book is called the Citadel, is very clearly the Matterhorn. You know, so this kind of relates to having lived in Switzerland and loving that setting. So this really, you know, and I actually don't love fiction books in general, but I read this book as a teenager and the teenage protagonist who just wanted to chase his dreams and follow in his father's footsteps really spoke to me. So that was the first mountain book that I can remember reading, but I always loved like Hatchet and those kind of survivalist books growing up too, you know, where people are out in nature kind of taking on different challenges. I think I just really related to the overarching message of, you know, this boy wanting to achieve something great, something like finish some unfinished business that his father had left. And so I think just generally speaking, that kind of spoke to me. And I also really do enjoy kind of reading about people being on the mountain. And so that kind of, you know, lends itself more to the nonfiction books that I lean to now. And that's kind of what I, you know, Banner in the Sky is my favorite nostalgic book, but I definitely over overall prefer nonfiction climbing books to fiction. So, you know, of course I love Into Thin Air and that's the mountain climbing book. And it's kind of funny if I mentioned to people that I like, mountain climbing books they say oh have you read into thin air (laughs) i say okay who hasn't um but i'd love to actually chat a little bit more about kind of the books that you like to read because well and and then you know as as it relates to what i like to read as well because as soon as we discussed having this podcast visit i've been trying to figure out what specifically about mountaineering books it is that i love right and what makes some of them more interesting to me than others and it seems to me that you enjoy longer more historical books maybe yes. about earlier time periods absolutely right you're absolutely <laughs> spot on yes my sort of favorite and even the style of writing my favorite time periods like the interwar years where mm-hmm. everything was very rudimentary not a lot of things had happened in the mountaineer obviously 
a few peaks had been summited um, in the early 1900s, but it was then it started to sort of ball started rolling with with doing longer and larger supported mm-hmm. expeditions and things like that. Um, that I just find that absolutely incredible when they'd for some strange reason they'd take a boat with them or a piano or, or <laughs> you know all this sort of stuff it's like crazy to think of now but but they just didn't know and they just you know it's such a a learning curve for that sort yeah. of time and it's really since the sort of maybe 20s up to about the sort of 50s um yeah you know and before that there was any of the modern accoutrements that help climbers today right yes right yeah absolutely yeah like even things uh locking carabiner or something like that you know right they just had and and their their ropes you know their ropes just were just ropes that you just twisted together and off you went you know a bit of hemp or something and that's it (laughs) it's like a harness as well that was that was Mm -hmm. non-existent Mm -hmm. but i just find that such an incredible some of the climbs that they did then are still difficult today so mm-hmm. even with the, the the modern equipment, it just goes to show what how kind of brave they were. Yeah, mountaineers or, or, are a different or foolish, maybe I don't know. <laughs> Obviously, the new stuff that comes out, I'm, I just pick up whatever I can. Really, um, yeah. I'm quite slow at reading. I must admit. Okay. Um, but so I don't get through the books very quickly. But I'm I'm all in on every book that yeah. I read. Okay. You should you should listen to some audiobooks too. I mean, you can get a little faster speed. And, yeah, well, you I think seem like so, the kind yeah. of person who likes to take notes. Yes. Are you? A yes, I'm kind of fold fold down the sort of corners of the pages, and and I must come back to that at some point and things like that. Yes, definitely. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. So there's quite a lot of um, sort of underlines and and pencil marks and things in the margin. I think that what I like, yeah. and I've been trying to figure out what if there's a theme to the yeah. the books that I truly love. And I really think that I enjoy some sort of event rather than some kind yes. of story over a decade or so, which is also good. Don't get me wrong. Like I'm in the middle of um, Scott Ellsworth's book, you know, the world beneath their feet right now. And it's very it illuminating. Oh, it's incredible. Yeah. Super, yeah. super detailed. But I think more like I love any sort of event, whether it's, the story of some sort of first ascent or, you know, Alex yep. Honnold's free solo on El Cap or, you know, oftentimes the event itself is a tragedy, which can be difficult to read for some people. But to me, I find that it really illuminates kind of the positives of the you know human nature and the human spirit and the, you know, resilience and that kind of thing. So I love learning how people kind of overcame whether it's like a difficult ascent or difficult teammates or whatever that challenge might be. Um, Mm -hmm. And I know you may realize a lot of the mountaineering books are kind of told in this bouncing back and forth style where they're telling about some ascent that they're on and then they bounce back to maybe their childhood and how they got into climbing. And so I kind of like that style of storytelling as well. Okay. Or especially if there's some sort of like intrigue that I don't maybe know how it ends either, you know. Um, for example, the third pole, you know, Mark Sinat. The Mark Sinat. I've not, I've not yeah. read that yet, but it's on my, it's, it is on my list to read. Yeah. So that was kind of an interesting book where I'm aware of the general, you know, story that they're investigating, but I don't know how their, you know, search on the mountain yeah. ended up. Right. And yes. so there's some okay. type of you know, mystery happening there as well. Going back to the book that you're reading now, The Scott Ellsworth Will Beneath Your Feet, um, Beneath Their Feet, sorry. Um, have you, are you at the chapter yet? I don't want to do any spoilers um, <laughs> about a guy called Morris Wilson. I literally yesterday, I just, I'm listening to it. So yesterday okay. I listened okay. to that chapter. Yeah, that's the, that's the moth in the mountain. It is the Moth and Mountain. Yes, right? it is. Yes, okay. that's right. So you haven't, yeah, I'm not going to say, I can't really say anything else because I don't want to spoil oh, no, no, it for you. Talk, so. I listen, no, I listened to it. I listened to it. Oh, okay. Okay. Yes. Um, uh, that was a chapter I listened to yesterday. Have well, you read The Moth and the Mountain? That's a I crazy have, story. I have read that book. Yes. Yes. It's very, very good. And I was interested about um, what happened to him 
once he was on the mountain. I know, I know that. I know. I know that he died. Is that I've recently read a book by Eric Shipton. It's called Upon That Mountain, and he's Eric Shipton's an old sort of interwar year again, sort of twenties, thirties, sort of first time ascents and all that sort of stuff. He was he was going to Everest um, as like a part of reconnaissance in, in the thirties, I think it was, and him and a few of his porters found Morris Wilson's body. Mm-hmm. They I found believe- his diary too, right? I I think so. I think I think they found his diary, which is which is how everything came to light in the actual story. I think, and I think they deposited him in a crevasse That's in the right. end. But it's just incredible that of all the people that that would find would come across him, it it would be this guy called Eric Shipton. Almost physically gasped when I when I read it. It's like I can't <laughs> believe he's found him. Yeah, I, I really didn't. I really really wanted to know if if anybody had. I didn't really search on the internet for it or anything, but I just happened to have this book that I was reading and there's a, there's a chapter about it in this book. So that's yeah. how I found out. It was amazing. Yeah. You should look into a book that I just read earlier this year called yeah. Hidden Mountains. Okay. I don't yeah. know that you'll love it. It's more like my style, but it is about a remote there. It's a group of four people who are trying to do a first ascent on a remote mountain in Alaska. So if you like the difficulty of, you know, getting to the mountain and, you know, it's not mapped and all that kind of stuff, um, get to this mountain. And there is, you know, a tragedy that befalls the group. But um, if you you enjoy kind of like the remote aspect and like the unclimbed, you know, there's not too many unclimbed mountains yet anymore. And so anytime you can kind of follow people searching for those unclimbed mountains, it can be really interesting yeah i mean they're all always coming up with first ascents of new routes but right. not kind of new, new mountains yeah i'll look that out and, and put that on my list as well yeah. thank you for that thank catches you your fancy yeah i think it does yeah but yeah you've got um, at the moment i'm reading something completely different um valley of giants by lauren delaney miller i'm yeah. just reading that at the moment which is amazing because are you liking it I'm absolutely loving it, actually, and more than I thought I would, because I've recently read Camp Four by Steve Roper, and hmm. there are a lot of, because okay. that's about the early Yosemite climbing in I haven't read that the sort one. of 50s and 60s. That's that's really interesting, and a lot of the names that are in Lauren Delaney Miller's book come up in that as well, because they're either wives or partners of the guys that are doing this, doing this the uh, Yosemite climbing. So that's that's one thing I love about reading a lot of mountain climbing books is that it's kind of a small community, you know, when you kind of yeah. get down to it. Like there's a few expedition leaders that go year after year and you know, like you said, like you know about Eric Shipton finding Morris Wilson and things like that. It kind of all comes together in some way. And yep. even in like this hidden mountain books that I was talking you know, I'd never heard of the four people in it, but they were friends with David Roberts, who suggested okay. this mountain range to them, right? And so it's, you know, David Roberts being a classic, um, you know, mountaineering author. Yes, yes. An exploration author, right? Yeah, and so I kind of think that that's a really fun aspect of it as well. Yeah, they all they all interweave with each other throughout their different stories. And yeah, um, I think that's, that's, that's really interesting, actually, some of the... Um, some of the books that I've read, they all kind of, you could almost have them as an accompanying book. Yeah. Because they yeah, touch you're, on you're that right. particular story. Yeah, they don't always know each other. Yeah. But you as the reader, you know, know party A's story and party B's story. So it's fun to kind of see how they come together in this new setting, whatever it might be. Because you yeah. kind of know the backstories of each of them. Yeah, and if maybe a, a name is mentioned, you think, "Well, I'll look him, look him up or her up," and mm-hmm. there's a there's a complete backstory with with everyone. So, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, that's really good. Um, and I've also recently read Push as well by Tommy Caldwell. That's, oh, so good. That's really good as well. But I I think it's I'm not sure how much he wrote of that because I believe oh, that he wrote, he wrote a lot with Kelly Cordes. I think helped him write that. Um, yeah. Well, I think Alex Honnold's book was written with Mark Roberts. Is that right? Okay. Okay. I don't know, actually. That's on my list to, to read. It's downstairs on my climbing bookshelf. 
Oh, no, it is David Roberts. I was thinking, David I was Roberts. mixing up Mark Sinat and David Roberts. Okay. Yeah, so David yeah. Roberts helped him write that book. Okay. Yeah. You know, one thing kind of building from that, I'm really enjoying that there are a lot of women climbers lately writing more memoirs. Yes, that's that's and, really nice to see, actually. Yeah. Yes. And, you know, I think it's only natural that more are coming out now because there are more, you know, female climbers. Yeah, it's kind period. of <laughs> the rise of the female climber, isn't it, really, at the moment? That's the yeah. sort of period we're in at the moment, which is which is amazing. Yeah. There are a few that I want to go back and read from a while ago though so have you heard of arlene blum you know famous american female mountaineer who's written a couple books like she was the first american woman to attempt everest and she led this uh, you know american ascent of annapurna and she's written a couple books that are kind of next on my list that i really want to okay um so what what have you what are you looking forward to read um have you got anything that you think oh i can't wait for that to come out or Mountain literature wise? Yeah, that's a really good question. I would say, um, you know, Arlene Blum's um, Breaking Trail, her book about Annapurna, The Female Ascent would be good, especially comparing that book to Umori's Herzog's Annapurna. I kind of want to read those like back to back. I've read that as well. It's incredible. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. So that's a classic. Yeah, I'm. I don't know if there's anything coming out in the next few months that I'm looking forward to. But, I always try to keep an eye out. I look for like the advanced reader copies of certain ones, but there's nothing at least in the pipeline for the, ne- the next month that I'm aware of. Um, and maybe there's a certain time of year that, that more come out or, or not. I don't really know. Yeah. I'd be curious to know. I mean, you know, Everest season to climb yeah, it. So yeah. Who knows? Um, yeah. But one thing I I do love also watching uh, climbs and and you know movies or documentaries about climbs. I think yeah. Jim Chin has a oh, oh. does he have a book or a movie? Which movies has he done? Several, yes. Um, he's got one called Wildlife coming out. I always try and tune in everything that he's creating. Seen, yeah, I follow him and see what he's up to. Yeah, I don't yeah, think climbing be would be what it is today. This sort of if it wasn't not if it wasn't just for him but because he's brought so much to to climbing and mountaineering and and the general outdoors and making it all look beautiful which it is yeah he's he's quite he's quite an inspiration isn't he really yeah i mean and and you kind of almost forget that he must be an extremely renowned and competent climber as well yeah because he's always documenting people like alex honnold but you know, yeah. he had to get to the same place that he did. He did, too, yeah. Right? He was he was <laughs> suspended on ropes and, you know, get his camera up there first and things. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I know a lot of your listeners love to read, but I also, there's yeah. a lot of really cool movies out there that can just really be eye-opening, you know, like yeah. The Alpinist or 14 Peaks. I've not seen The Alpinist yet. I haven't I haven't seen that yet. I can't, I can't okay. find it yeah, anywhere. Yeah, that's a good one. Um, oh, it must not be on the uk netflix it's not on uk netflix no no it's not which i'm a bit annoyed about i do watch real rock i do watch that if you really like um the push though you should mm. check out the the dawn wall which is the story yes of that. Yeah. I've, I've seen that yes that's very okay. very good yeah yeah there's a lot of um climbing movies out there like there's like a lot of classics as well like cliffhanger and the eiger sanction and things like that they're they're a bit naff but they're entertaining, so I have, entertaining I have a enough. Hard copy, I have a hard copy of the Iger Sanction. Okay. And I've never read it. Have you read it? Is I it good? Because no. like I said, I usually lean towards nonfiction, but I have yeah, a couple yeah. kind of fictional books that um I keep putting them off, but they are interesting yeah. to me. Okay. Yeah, speaking of speaking of fiction books, I did read one recently, not recently, maybe last year, before just before Christmas. Um, and it's called Snow Dog Foot. I don't know if you've heard of it um it's by an italian author i can't remember what his name is okay. but it's about this... that's the one yes and it's about a hermit that lives on a mountain gets snowed in with his dog and the snow after a long time hmm. the snow eventually recedes um and they find this foot of some of, of someone and then it's 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 quite a really completely different to 
anything that I've read before. And mm-hmm. he, ha- he has conversations with the dog and the dog speaks to him. I even think I, I even think that the foot speaks as well. Um, okay. but, it's, but it's got a, a great twist at the end. It's really, really clever. Hmm. Really clever. So okay. that's worth a read. Snow Dog Foot. Okay. Yeah, that's really good. And it's quite short. Okay. It's only a couple of hundred pages long. Like, so you'll probably yeah, that's a knock it out in about two days. So <laughs> Yeah, I'm... <laughs> I just am looking on my kind of what I have on hold and I have another David Roberts book on hold at the library. So obviously that's not a new release, but I do like to venture out into kind of other unexplored, like any sort of exploration stories I also think are really cool. Like people are trying to cross the North pole or the South pole, you know, those kind of track. Uh, And so, you know, David Roberts has a book called alone on the ice. And it's called The Greatest Survival Story in the History of Exploration. So I'm actually not even really sure what it's about. But uh, see, I think you would like this one because David Roberts writes a lot about kind of early 1900s, like early yes. explorers. Yes, he's, he's so prolific in that era. Australia, yeah. Australasian Antarctic Expedition. That sounds great. Okay. I'll write yeah. that down as well. Yeah. Thank you for that. Thank you. <laughs> you can't um, go wrong with looking up David Roberts books. But sadly, no longer with us. Yeah, we'll miss him. Yeah, but I've I've read I've read a few of his. I've read one that he wrote. Is it the Last Explorer? I think it was with Comrade Anker about finding Mallory again. I I oh, guess yeah. ties in with the Mark Sinnott book. I think the Third Pole. Yeah, exactly. Oh, I wonder if. Well, that's, that's Mark, quite interesting. They were actually going on another expedition, so I think it's almost like he probably tried to do. He probably I haven't read the Lost Explorer, but. My yeah. guess is that they were almost trying to do the same thing again. Yes, yes, I believe go so. Go find them, right? Yeah. I guess I would be remiss to end this podcast without saying that, like, what would have been right almost when I started my PhD yeah. um, studies. So back in 2014, maybe 2015, Okay. I read No Shortcuts to the Top by Ed Vesters, and that kind of just reignited my love for this type of literature so that one kind of holds a special place in my heart you know he's from seattle i always love those a lot of mountaineers kind of get their start on rainier and you know outfitting themselves at rei and so that kind of really okay, gets close yeah. to home and uh, yeah I, I believe his kind of thing is he's summited all of them without oxygen and i don't judge anyone who does or doesn't use oxygen but i think that's kind of his one of his claims but um, yeah, I mean, he's claimed he's, he's climbed all fourteen eight thousand meter peaks. Yeah, incredible. That yeah. oxygen, which is just insane. So yeah, it's <laughs> really cool. Yeah, it's really cool. Yeah, yeah. Do you follow climbing and mountaineering in general? I go like for right now. I'm you know every spring I tune into Alan Arnett's blog, which okay. tracks how people are you know the Everest um, and kind of almost all of like the. Himalayan Karakoram um, treks. You know, so okay. he'll be, you know, post updates about where the icefall doctors are and all those kind of, you know, so he'll give updates. And he, <laughs> it is so thorough and so cool. So definitely like an armchair climber over here okay. in the spring yeah. following the, the, so, the people as they go. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But, you know, I largely follow climbing and mountaineering through, you know, Instagram or podcasts like yeah. Alex Honnold's Climbing Gold. Or... Yeah. You've beat me to my question. <laughs> so what, when you follow the climbing, do you listen to any other climbing podcasts? I mean, I think I've got about 20 that I listen to. I listen to almost, well, listen almost to nothing one. else. <laughs> I yeah. listen to one called Climbing on the Bookshelf. Oh, that's a great one. <laughs> um. You know, I don't listen. I listen to a lot of podcasts. I don't listen to a lot of climbing podcasts. I like, okay. you know, I, I have some pop culture podcasts. I have interview podcasts. I love reading about or listening to podcasts that actually talk about books. And so to the extent yep. that they're interviewing. So whenever there's a new author kind of going on a book tour, I try to track down all of their interviews okay. that they have with people to the extent that I then almost feel like I've read the book already. Um, but yeah, I do like climbing gold. I find that one to be interesting. Okay. Um, yeah. The, yeah. They've recently done um, a kind of a, a mini series to do with the airplane crash called Dope Lake. I think it was. Um, okay. I think that was that was their most recent one. But I think they've got a new series coming out within a week or so. 
pretty soon. Yeah, they're which is great. okay, cool. I hadn't heard. Yeah, I knew they were coming back. I didn't know what the theme was or anything. Yeah, yeah. So that's 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 going to be pretty good. I also listened to Alpinist. There's just so many. It's it, it's all merged into my head. <laughs> yeah, I'd love to hear your recommendations because I do listen to a lot of podcasts and I kind of go in spurts where I'll listen to one podcast religiously for six months and then kind of shift gears. So I'm hoping I'm just having a look now. Uh, the Nugget Climbing. That's always a good one. The Dirt Bike Diaries because they just cover everything in the outdoors, which is fantastic. Oh, I like um, that. That is really, really good. There's another British guy um, called Niall Grimes. He does UK climbing and stuff, really. Um, mm, it's called, it's mm-hmm. called That's called Jam Crack uh, okay. Climbing Podcast. That's pretty good. The Sharp End, which is about yeah, it kind of. Great. They're, they're, they're all. Have you heard of these or? Some of them. Yeah. 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 And then there's the two, the two legends of the podcast in Chris Caloose and, and Andrew Bisharat. They're the, they're the kind of main two, really, with the run out and the enormous cast. Yeah. Are there any female climbers that have that host podcast? There's um, the sharp end is is. Oh, okay. Yeah. Others. Oh, exactly. Yeah. I mean, Hazel local, Findlay's right? got one as well, I believe. Actually, thinking about that, um, the curious climber, I think that's called. Okay, um, cool. And she hosts that. Definitely she talks about. Oh yeah. All sorts of topics about women who climb and the problems they face and all that sort of stuff. So that's, that's quite interesting. Um, yeah, that's awesome. Thanks for the recommendations. Yeah. There's one more, but I can't remember what her name is. I think it's called for the love of climbing. Oh, that's okay. I'll look it it's, up. But yeah, mainly it's, it's climbing podcasts that, that I listen to, but I'm, I'm quite fortunate that I can listen to them while I work. Cause I'm a painter and decorator. Um, oh my gosh that's so, awesome so i can just listen to as much and as little as i as i like really because quite often i'm in a room with the door closed painting yeah. away for like eight hours a day and i yeah, can just i can just ago, do that every yeah. day i mean it's I, i'm very very i find myself very very fortunate that i can do that that is lovely my work now requires a little bit more thinking if i can't okay. be having other people talk in my ear at the same time but i've painted <laughs> my house before yeah. And yes, I just crushed a bunch of podcasts and audiobooks, yeah. and yeah. that is that is enjoyable, um, you know, break from some of my more in depth thinking that's required. Sometimes. Yeah. So, how do you? Um, you said you were writing some finals recently and grading them. Yeah, that was a few weeks ago. So we're just, yeah. you know, and it it always keeps turning over. So every ten weeks is a new class. And usually I'm teaching the same class, but you know, it's a new set of students and kind of got to revamp okay. everything. So yeah, we did January through middle of March. And then that's what kind of when we were in contact and I was finishing up grading finals. Yeah, sure. Yeah. And then now we're already in the third week. So what's next for you? Yeah. What's, what's on your agenda for the next up, leading up to like, is it the end of, I wouldn't say the end of college. Yeah. It's getting that way, isn't it? Well, you could say the end of the year, but you know yeah. I'm not in college anymore, so I can't. Yeah. <laughs> I, can't. <laughs> yeah. I don't have an end in sight. Um, yeah. Well, my husband turns forty this summer, so I'm okay. working um, on kind of how to make him feel special. I told him I'm yeah. already not doing a surprise birthday party, but we'll have some sort of celebration. <laughs> Does he not like that? He doesn't want a surprise. Um. No, he likes surprises. Okay. Uh, I just didn't want. To... <laughs> I'm trying to think of ways to surprise him, but not plan a surprise birthday party, <laughs> okay. if that okay. makes sense. Yeah, sure. So I want to make him feel loved. So thinking about that, and then this summer we want to, we're trying to find the right balance of a vacation that's a little bit of exploring, but also a little bit relaxing. And that's yeah, pretty that... difficult when you have a three-year-old and a one-year-old. <laughs> okay. All right. So it's quite fun. So, yeah, sure. Okay. Yeah, like we want to maybe try camping, but that would probably only be for one night. And we yeah, kind of want to sure. do a road trip, but then you have to stop every few hours to let everybody yeah. run around. And yeah, of um, course. Yeah, so I'm not sure. We'll probably visit our family. My parents live in California, and my husband's family lives in Iowa. Both okay. are just a little too far to drive, you know. Is it, like, is that a good it thing? It would be a fun. <laughs> well, it would be. I, mean, I say, I say a little too far. I mean, they're like thirty hours, right? But I mean, you could build a road trip out of it, and it would be pretty fun. 
okay. but I don't think it would be fun to drive back. And so, okay. it's, um, so we'll, we'll probably fly to those locations. Yeah. And we, yeah. we want to, my husband and I, before we had kids, we were really into visiting the national parks okay. and that's kind of fallen by the wayside since having kids a little bit. And so we'd love to get back out there, maybe go to, you know, Olympic national park right in our backyard. And um, yeah. So just trying to kind of nice. got about two more months left of school. And then we kind of still have the summer off from is such an enjoyable aspect of the work that I do. Yeah. I still have yeah. to work during the summer, but it's so much more calm. And so it does allow us to have some good family time. That's nice. That sounds great. To. Yeah. Lovely. Yeah. That sounds really nice. So where, where can people get hold of you and, and follow you for kind of book inspiration or book recommendations? Yeah. Well, like I said, I, you know, as with you, I have a Twitter, but I don't usually go there. So I would say the okay. best place to reach me is on Instagram at the sports librarian. And I also have a personal website, which is katiequinn88.com. Yeah. Fantastic. So my, yeah, my direct messages are always open. I love talking with, you know, people like yourself who just share the same hobby or, you know, yeah. if authors want to reach out and have me, you know, read or promote or review books. That's kind of a fun aspect of this as well. Yeah. Yeah. Fantastic. Well, thank you very much for your time. I know it's very precious. Yeah, thank you, Stuart. This has been a pleasure. Yeah, it's been great. It's been really fun actually talking to someone who's read so many books similar to than I have. And it's, it's been great because usually I just speak to an author and they talk about their book and that's it really. But it's yeah, nice. Yeah, I think we have. It's almost like oh, a little yeah, book they... group. <laughs> Yes, it's nice to have both. I would love to start some uh, book club where we just read mm. mountain literature. There's a little, there's, there's a little gap in the market there, I think. <laughs> totally. Yeah. Well, thank you for reaching out, Stuart. Well, thank you so much. It's it's. Been I look amazing. forward to following the climbing on the bookshelf in the future, and um, yeah, let's be in touch. Thanks. Thanks very much. Thank you. Have, have a good a great, night. Have a great day. Thank you very much. All right. Thank bye. You. Take bye. care.